Welcome to Divine Truth Podcast with Dr. Stephen M. Huffman. Michael is a senior pastor with Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. The purpose of this podcast is to teach and edify God's people through a verse-by-verse exposition of God's Word. To learn more about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit www.ebcmineral.com. And now, here is Pastor Michael Huffman. Look at a tale of three kings, and we're spending our time looking at how to deal with things when your feelings get hurt, uh, how to deal with life when you're angry, how to deal with life when you've been mistreated, how to deal with situations that, that you would tag to be unfair. Now, let me remind you of something that is, that is stated in the New Testament. I'm not going to read the passage to you, but I'll reference this in Philippians chapter 2. Um, and it talks about the emptying of Jesus Christ, what we call in theological terminologies, the kenosis, the emptying uh, of his prerogatives. Of course, when Jesus Christ took on flesh, he did not empty himself of his deity. He emptied himself of the prerogative use of that deity. And we talked about that in Sunday school this past Sunday, that he was truly God, truly man. And being that he was truly man, he had all the limitations of humanity. And so, but one of the key issues that Paul brings out there in Philippians 2, that I think we need to set in concrete in our minds is Paul says this. He says, let this mind or let this way of thinking be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, you need to think the way Christ thought. Who, and I'm going to give it to you in the original Greek, who being in the form of God did not think equality with God was something to be grasped. Jesus Christ in his flesh was still truly God, but he didn't fight for his right because he was God. And the Bible says he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likes of man, and being found in fashion as, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death, even the death of the cross. But the key phrase to that is Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Folks, you know why we get our feelings hurt? You know why we get jealous? You know why we get offended? Why do you think? Because we don't have the mind of Christ in us. If we thought, what did the Bible say about Jesus? When he reviled, he did what? Reviled not again. And if we could spend more of our time in our life focusing on the fact of having the mind of Christ and actually having the mind of Christ, a lot of the things that we fight in life, we necessarily wouldn't fight. But the fact of the matter is, we don't. And therefore, the fact of the matter is, we do get hurt. We do get offended. We do become jealous. We do get angry. We do become bitter. All those things are true. And we've been looking at some detail with Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament, and his relationship with David. And we, we started last week by talking about the fact that Saul had a lot of problems in life. One of those problems was, is that Saul was jealous, wasn't he? Saul had a real problem with jealousy. And we said that Saul, bring up the first slide there, uh, Zach, and Saul was covetous. We saw that Saul was covetous. The only thing that Saul was worried about was what? The only thing Saul was worried about was the throne. He wasn't worried about the fact that he had actually offended the holiness of God. 
He wasn't worried about the fact that he had actually sinned against Jehovah, against the Creator, because it wasn't until Samuel told him that the kingdom has departed from you that he grabbed onto Samuel's legs and started saying, oh, I'm sorry, God, forgive me. And the only thing Saul was worried about was the throne because Saul was covetous. And I'm going to step forward, number two, because we got some ground we need to cover. Saul was not only covetous, but Saul was conspiring. Saul was a master spear thrower. And this is the area, folks, that is real critical in our study. And I left you last week, I left you last week with this phrase. That there are only two types of people in the world. Only two. Spear throwers and those who refuse to throw spears. That's only two types of people in the world. There are many leaders within the church, many people sitting in the pew, maybe some of those people with authority, maybe not, that can be spear throwers who are like King Saul. And folks, as humans, we are finite. We, and, and because we're finite, we can't know everything. We can't see the way people's hearts truly are. We can only assume who in this life is either a Saul, an Absalom, or a David. Only God knows who they really are on the inside. But God saw and weighed Saul's heart. In fact, in a matter of just three chapters, Saul hurled a javelin at his loved ones. In chapter 18, he hurled a javelin at David. In chapter 19, again, he hurled a javelin at David. And in chapter 20, he hurled a javelin at his own flesh and blood, his son, Jonathan. But Saul, like most spear throwers, they have this one fatal flaw. They lack the ability to control their emotions and spirit. Folks, if you don't have the ability tonight, if we don't have the ability tonight to control our emotions and we just go off, when we get upset, which all of us have a propensity to do, don't we? Let's be real. We do, if we're not careful. We may turn into something that we don't want to turn into. We've got to be people that are able to bring our emotions and our spirits under control by the Holy Spirit. When Saul was anointed king, the Holy Spirit rested upon him. And when he was rejected from being king, the Holy Spirit departed. And that seems to be the, the operation of the Old Testament versus the way that the New Testament, the Holy Spirit worked in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and empowered the person for a specific task and then left until the next, next task. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled believers for all time. We learned that from Jesus in John chapter 14 and in Acts chapter 1. And when the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit departed from Saul, what happened? An evil spirit from the Lord came to trouble him. This is why, folks, David was recruited to play for Saul in the first place. His job was to come, being a master harp player, his job was to come and sue the king. And while the evil spirit was troubling Saul, and while David was playing, something very ironic and very scary happened. Saul had a javelin in his hand. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 10, it says this, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. 
Now let's stop right there. What does the Bible mean, evil spirit from Saul, from God? Whoa. What do you do with that? You mean to tell me, Pastor, that God sent an evil spirit on Saul? Well, who else sent it? Right? Either God did it, there's no other person that would do it, that could do it. Because God has control over the spirits, and God sent the evil spirit on Saul. And he prophesied, verse 10, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Now, let's think about this for a moment. It's probably not a good idea for a man who is being troubled by an evil spirit and he is being serenaded by the man of whom he is jealous. It's probably not a good idea that he's got a javelin in his hand. But folks, let me ask you this question. What was the single solitary thing amongst all other things that changed Saul's attitude toward David? Jealousy. Jealousy. Jealousy was in the heart of Saul. Let me ask you, folks, listen. You know why people throw spears? Because they're jealous. People throw spears because they're jealous. Well, I don't have anything to be jealous about. You'd be surprised what somebody could be jealous at you about. And people throw spears to people that they're jealous of or they're threatened by. If they're not jealous of them or threatened by them, there's no other reason to throw a spear at them. How do people throw spears? We don't, we don't throw physical spears, but how do people throw spears today? They throw spears verbally, don't they? Because they're jealous. And as David was playing the harp, Saul snapped. In verse 11 of 1 Samuel 18, And Saul cast his javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall. With it. He did not want to kill David. He wanted to pin David to the wall. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Saul misses, and David is able to escape. That's the first time he threw the spear. The second time he threw the spear is in the next chapter. At the beginning of chapter 19, Saul has already concocted a plan to try to kill David. In 1 Samuel 19, verse 1, it said, And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants how they should kill David. Now, what did David do to Saul? Let me ask you a question. Who's ever had a spear thrown at them? For who's ever had, okay, yeah, you're right, because that's normally how, who's ever had a verbal spear thrown at them? Nobody's had a, well, if you've had a physical spear thrown at you, whoa. But who's ever had a verbal spear thrown at them? Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, how they should kill David. David didn't do anything to Saul. And those of you who've had verbal spears thrown at you, let me ask you a question. The person that threw, and I don't care if it's family, friend, church member, whoever it is, the person that threw a verbal spear at you, what did you do to them? <laughs> well, at least you're honest. What's that? Which, in my opinion, Bonnie, equates to nothing. 
because you spoke the truth in love. Oh, what? Well, I was, I, was talking to the, I was talking to the academy of some teenagers in the academy this week, and we were talking about that, and I said, listen, I said, uh, maybe it was in devotions. I don't remember what it was, like y'all two remember. Anyway, <laughs> Zachary's too busy watching Marisa, and I don't know what he's doing, but anyway, we were talking in devotions one day this week, and, and uh, I said, there's nothing more loving than telling the truth. Nothing more loving than telling the truth. And nothing more unloving than to not tell the truth. To let a person continue in their sin and degradation without telling them you're wrong. In the spirit of meakness, as Paul calls for in Galatians 6. Back to his devotions yesterday, as Paul calls in Galatians 6. Do it in the spirit of meekness or gentleness. David didn't do anything to Saul. And the only thing you've done to people who've thrown verbal spirits at you is maybe tell them the truth in love. Now, Jonathan is able at this moment, at least, to talk his father out of the plan. And then after the dust settles, David decides he's going to return. And in 1 Samuel 19, 9, it says this, And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hands. Uh, We've been here before, haven't we? You know, David, you don't seem to be too smart right here, fellow. We're in the same position we were a chapter ago. But David is able to escape again, and he goes home to be with his wife. The third spear that, Paul, that Saul throws is found in chapter 20. And by this time, David realizes that he can't keep doing this. He realizes that the spear is eventually going to hit him if he keeps coming in the presence of the king. Right? Let me tell you something, folks. Now, you can take this to the bank. You associate with and you have fellowship with a spear thrower and a liar. You will have, one of two things will eventually happen. You will become a spear thrower and a liar or you will receive the spear. Because people that are spear throwers and liars are no respecter of persons. And if they are telling you a lie about somebody else, or they're telling you about throwing a spear at somebody else, you can guarantee it that they are telling somebody else about you. And you hang around with those people that are spear throwers, you'll either become one or you'll be the victim of a spear. So... If it, Learn by the Spirit of God to be discerning and find those, spear, uh, find those spear throwers and don't have fellowship with them. I'm not saying be rude, but watch yourself. Watch yourself. David finally realized by God's grace he was missed twice. And he finally realized, Listen, I can't keep doing this. If he kept going back, he would eventually get hit. And so David and Jonathan had to come up with a plan to see what the king's intentions were regarding David. They wanted to know if the king still intended on harming David. And the time had come for dinner, and this was when the test was going to happen. Saul sits down for dinner and realizes that David isn't there. He just assumes that David's unclean and he doesn't come to dinner. The next day rolls around and dinner time comes again, and Saul notices that David isn't there again. So this time, Saul asks, where's David? 
And in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 27, And it came to pass on the morrow, which was the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said unto Jonathan his son, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to meet, neither yesterday nor today? And what was Jonathan's response? Well, he went home to be with his family to sacrifice. I gave him permission to go home. At that very moment, anger and rage came out of Saul. And Saul said to his son in 1 Samuel 20, verse 30, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman. Now, now, what you talk about my mama? Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman. Do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to, to thine own confusion and unto the confusion of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Listen, Jonathan, don't you realize that as long as David is alive, you'll never be king? Well, guess what, Saul? God already said that because not only did God reject you from being king, but God rejected any of your sons from being king after you. God already did that. But what is he trying to do? He's trying to convince his son that David is the enemy. Have you ever had somebody come up to you, and unfortunately it happens in church, have you ever had somebody come up to you in church and try to convince you that somebody else in church is the enemy? You need to stay away from that spear. You need to stay away from that spear. You know, it's really easy to become a spear thrower, isn't it? Because let me, let me, let me let's just be real. When you get word that somebody has said something about you, Bonnie, what's the first thing you want to do? You know, sometimes God's people need to use exercise a little wisdom. A little plain, old-fashioned common sense. And that is this. If you would not want somebody to tell you that somebody else said something about you, why do you think it's needful for you to tell that to somebody else? Sometimes God's people just need to use plain, old-fashioned common sense and keep their mouth shut. You don't need to tell everything you know. Because sometimes you can do more harm by telling somebody, well, you know what so-and-so said about you? No, I don't know, and guess what? I wish I didn't know. Thanks for ruining my day. But what is our natural response? Our natural response is, because we're human, we're in fallen humanness, our natural response is, well, let me tell you something about them. You think that's juicy? I got something juicier than what you got. And you just at that moment, folks, you've just become a spear thrower. You've just become a spear thrower. And Jesse and Saul told Je uh, Jonathan, listen, son, you foolish boy. Don't you realize that as long as David is alive, you will not ever see the kingdom? You will not ever see the throne? Now, Jonathan has a little character. And the Bible says that Jonathan takes a stand against his dad. You know, sometimes you've got to take a stand against people that you love because it's right. 
because it's right. The most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my life was to stand up to somebody literally blue, nose to nose, because it was right. I wasn't on the phone. I was nose to nose because it was right. Not that I'm always right, rarely am I, but this time I had the Bible on my side. And Jonathan shows a little character here, and he, and he stands for his friend, and what happens? His father gets in a rage, and in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 33, and Saul casts a javelin at his own son in order to try to kill him. This king has gone mad. He's lost control. There's a lot that needs to sink in here. But understand this, though, folks. All of us are like one of these three kings. We're all like one of them. There are many similarities between you and, and I and King Saul. Because in our flesh, we want to pull the javelin out of our back and throw it back at the person that threw it at us. That's what we want to do in our flesh. So we're just like King Saul, and we are good spear throwers. We are good spear throwers. When we don't get our way, you hurt whatever stands in your path. When you think you've been wronged, you hurt whatever stands in your way. You will stop at nothing not only to get what you want, but you will stop at nothing to vindicate yourself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, thought robbery, with, thought equality with God was not something to be grasped for, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, the death of the, the, death of the cross, the very God of very gods, the creator of everything, was willingly murdered by his own creation for redemption's sake, but you and I want to put uh, pick spears out of our backs and throw them back at other people. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And if we would practice that, we would be lot, there would be a lot less spear throwing going on in the, in the church. Oh, there's always going to be spear throwing going on in the world. I have some spears thrown at me this, year, this week in the world, and you have too. You may not know it, but I guarantee you that if somebody knows you're a Christian, you've had a spear thrown at you. You just don't know it, and that's God's grace and goodness that you don't know it. But I guarantee you, you have. But when spears are thrown so readily in the church, folks, I can't think of many things more wicked than God's people throwing spears at each other. You know what? We don't have any business going home on Sunday morning talking about somebody else in the church that, at lunch. We don't have any business going home on Sunday or Wednesday night or Sunday night throwing javelins at people in the church. How wicked and evil is that? Maybe if you prayed for those people a little bit more, you'd throw them less javelins. In fact, I would dare say I've asked some people in, in time past that, who, were, who were really bitter at, pe at some people, and I asked them point blank, I said, well, how, when's the last time you prayed for them? Well, I can't remember. Well, why don't you start praying for them, and then you might find yourself throwing less javelins at them. Ask God to bless them. Ask God to make you a blessing to them. It's kind of hard to throw a javelin at somebody that you're asking God to make a blessing to you.
or make or make you a blessing to them. It's kind of hard to throw a javelin at them. Saul became a ruthless individual. And Saul stopped thinking about the ramifications of his actions. You know, we don't do that, do we? We get, we get upset. We get our feelings hurt. Or as my wife, uh, I know y'all, y'all, y'all would not even begin to imagine she ever speak to me this way. Y'all pray for her uh, heart. Um, I'm, I'm praying for some sanctification. Y'all, uh, y'all kids think that I picked Ephes- uh, Galatians 5 so that y'all would be more sanctified? No, it's for my wife. Anyway. Where is she anyway? She's in the school? Oh, good. Oh, good. She, she's well out of here in range. Or, as my wife sometimes says, you wear your feelings on your shoulders. And when we get in that part of our lives, we sometimes, we just, and we, and we get to act. We act out of emotion. We act out of our feelings. And we lose all control. And we don't even think about the ramifications. I was in camp one time and, uh, and they had at the, I went to this camp one year and they had what this thing was called. It was a, it was a fire service. And then y'all probably all talked, seen, seen those things where they have this big bonfire or pit and you come up and you, you, you want to sacrifice something to the Lord and you throw it into the fire. You throw, you take a stick and, and you throw it into the fire. Okay. And, uh, that's, that stick supposed to represent what you want to give to the Lord. It's, Kind of silly, but that's what they do. This kid walked up, took off his, he wanted to dedicate his time to the Lord, so he took off his watch and he threw his, in emotion, he threw, he threw his time next watch into the fire. We'll see, right? So, smart aleck me, I know y'all, again, y'all can't imagine. Can you rain now? Smart aleck me, I walked up beside him, I said, hey, hey buddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. What time is it? I don't know. I just threw my watch into the far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see time flying, you're burning time. And sometimes we act, we don't think about the ramifications. When we get all wrapped up in our emotions, we don't think about the ramifications. Saul had already demonstrated he did not have regard for instruction, didn't he? But he didn't realize the full price that his disobedience was going to cost. And I, and I tell you what the truth is, folks. When you and I start throwing javelins, we don't realize the price that that's going to cost. You don't realize the price that you're going to have to pay to being a javelin thrower. What Saul loved the most had already been taken from him. He was still on the throne physically, but he knew that he was not blessed anymore. And that is why his thoughts were absolutely plagued. In his book, A Tale of Three Kings, Gene Edwards says this, King Saul lives within us all. Saul is in your bloodstream, in the marrow of your bones. He makes up the very flesh and muscle of your heart. He is mixed into your soul. King Saul is one with you. Isn't that true? King Saul is in all of us. The goal is, is to suppress Saul by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We're talking in chapel, in, in the academy, and on, in Sunday school on Sunday about walking in the Spirit. We're, we're alternating uh, church history and uh, Galatians 5. We're talking about walking in the Spirit. And part of walking in the Spirit is that the Spirit su- suppresses the flesh. And you'll never have the flesh suppressed if you don't behave yourself by the dictates of the Spirit, which are dictated to us by the Word of God. We had a good discussion in church history this week in the academy about the difference between experience and truth and how experience does not negate truth, that your experience better line up with the truth of God's Word or your experience is wrong. We don't care what it is. Because experience does not make truth. The Word of God and the Word of God alone is truth. And we need to take that Word and use it in our lives by the power of the Spirit to suppress the flesh in order to suppress Saul. The only way to get rid of Saul, church, is to destroy him. Or Samuel did to Agag, hack him to pieces. That's the only way to destroy him. And we must, listen, we must destroy Saul before we start throwing javelins. It's a long process. But it's a process that can take place by the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, number three, Saul was covetous. Saul was conspiring. And Saul was controlling. Saul was controlling. He was king, and he wanted to be in control. But it seems like that ever since chapter 13, he loses more and more control of himself with every chapter. As you read in 1 Samuel, it is a sad story of a king who had gone insane. He does have no control over his actions. He has no control over the way that he thinks. Because he wants to be in control. And he is, and, and, and what is the con- contributing thing to his insanity? He lost the thing that he loves the most. Prestige, power, and he feels threatened. Well, when you feel threatened, you reach for the javelin, don't you? You reach for the javelin. Does it bother you when you don't get your way? Well, things don't go as you have planned. Saul's life is a total wreck in his desire for control. And folks, listen, you and I have got, by the help of the Spirit of God, by staying in the Word of God, and staying in church, and staying close to God, you and I have got to get control over Saul. Because he's there. If you don't think Saul is there, he is, trust me, he's there. And we have got to suppress him before we start throwing javelins. Because once that javelin leaves your hand, there's no taking it back. There's no taking it back. It's like that word, like that ugly word you said to your wife or you said to your husband or you said to your child, you said to your coworker, said to your friend. How many times have you said something and you wish that you could just reach out there and grab it and you can't? It's gone. 
Same thing with the javelin. If you throw the javelin, it's gone. Don't be surprised when unsaved people throw javelins. That's what they do. They're dead in sin. The only thing a dead person can do is, they dead person can do what? Can do two things, what? Stink and throw a javelin. That's all dead people can do. That's all dead people can do. And so don't be surprised when an unsaved person throws a javelin. But be horrified and mourning when a Christian throws a javelin, especially at another Christian. How dare we? How dare we throw javelins at each other? We're supposed to love each other. And then we wonder, wonder why I don't know why I don't know why I can't lead anybody to the Lord. It's because you're too busy reaching for javelins to give out the gospel. Stop throwing so many javelins and give the gospel a little more. You may see some fruit. It's a horrible thing for God's people to be throwing javelins, especially at God's people. How horrible that is. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this example. And Father, we fail so much. We utterly fail. We fail horrifically. And so, Father, we ask you to forgive us. And Father, we want by the power of the Spirit, we want to be people that are, do not throw javelins. We do not want to be people that pull the javelin out of our back and throw it back in the, in the direction from which it came. Lord, help us to learn from the example of Saul that madness exercised only leads to more madness. Saul's in all of us, Father. Saul's in all of us. Help us, Father God, to suppress Saul by the power of your Spirit. Our only hope for this, Father, is in you. And so we look to you. And may we be obedient to the things that we know to be right and leave the consequences to you. Father, we praise you and thank you. In Christ's name, amen.